Chapter 18 of The Search by Grace Livingston Hill. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Like Many Waters. Chapter 18 When Ruth MacDonald got back from camp, she found herself utterly dissatisfied with her old life. The girls in her social set were full of war plans. They had, one and all, enlisted in every activity that was going each one appeared in some pretty and appropriate uniform and took the new regime with as much eagerness and enthusiasm as ever she had put into dancing and dressing not that they had given up either of those employments oh dear no when they were not busy getting up little dances for the poor dear soldier boys from the nearby camps they were learning new solo steps wherewith to entertain those soldier boys when their turn came to go to camp and keep up the continuous performance that seemed to be necessary to the cheering of a good soldier and as for dressing no one need ever suggest again a uniform for women as the solution of the high cost of dressing the number of dainty devices of gold braid and red stars and silver tassels that those same staid uniforms developed made plain forever that the woman who chooses can make even a uniform distinctive and striking and altogether costly in short they went into the war with the same superficial flightiness formerly employed in the social realms they were dashing here and there in their high-powered cars on solemn errands with all the nonchalance of their ignorance and youth till one knowing some of them well trembled for the errand if it were important and many of them were really useful which only goes to prove that a tremendous amount of unsuspected power is wasted every year and that unskilled labor often accomplishes almost as much as skilled some of them secured positions in the navy yard or in other public offices where they were thrown delightfully into intimacies with officers and were able to step over the conventionalities of their own social positions into wildly exciting bohemian adventures under the popular guise of patriotism without a rebuke from their elders there was not a dull hour in the little town the young men of their social set might all be gone to war but there were others and the whirl of life went on gaily for the thoughtless butterflies who danced and knitted and drove motor-cars and made bandages and just rejoiced to walk the streets knitting on the sabbath day a gay cretonne knitting-bag on arm and knitting-needles plying industriously as if the world would go naked if they did not work every minute just a horde of rebellious young creatures who at heart enjoyed the unwanted privilege of breaking the sabbath and shocking a few fanatics far more than they really cared to knit but nobody had time to pry into the quality of such patriotism there were too many other people doing the same thing and so it passed everywhere for the real thing and the world whirled on and tried to be gay to cover its deep heartache and stricken horror over the sacrifice of its sons but ruth although she bravely tried for several weeks could not throw herself into such things she felt that they were only superficial there might be a moiety of good in all these things but they were not the real big things of life not the ways in which the vital help could be given and she longed with her whole soul to get in on it somewhere the first sabbath after her return from camp she happened into a bit of work which while it was in no way connected with war work still helped to interest her deeply and keep her thinking along the lines that had been started while she was with john cameron a quiet shy plain little woman an old member of the church and noted for good work 
came hurrying down the aisle after the morning service and implored a young girl in the pew just in front of ruth to help her that afternoon in an italian sunday school she was conducting in a small settlement about a mile and a half from brinehaven it's only to play the hymns miss emily she said carrie wayne has to go to a funeral she always plays for me i wouldn't ask you if i could play the least mite myself but i can't and the singing won't go at all without someone to play the piano oh i'm sorry mrs beck but i really can't pleaded miss emily quickly i promised to help out in the canteen work this afternoon you know the troop trains are coming through and mrs martin wanted me to take her place all the afternoon mrs beck's face expressed dismay she gave a hasty glance around the rapidly emptying church oh dear i don't know what i'll do she said oh let them do without singing for once suggested the carefree emily everybody ought to learn to do without something in wartime we can serve sugar and flour let the italians conserve singing and with a laugh at her own brightness she hurried away ruth reached forward and touched the troubled little missionary on the arm what i do she asked i never played hymns much but i could try oh would you a flood of relief went over the woman's face and ruth was instantly glad she had offered she took mrs beck down to the settlement in her little runabout and the afternoon's experience opened a new world to her it was the first time she had ever come in contact with the really poor and lowly of the earth and she proved herself a true child of god in that she did not shrink from them because many of them were dirty and poorly clad before the first afternoon was over she had one baby in her arms and three others hanging about her chair with adoring glances they could not talk in her language but they stared into her beautiful face with their great dark eyes and spoke queer little unintelligible words to one another about her the whole little company were delighted with the new pretty lady who had come among them they openly examined her simple lovely frock and hat and touched with shy furtive fingers the blue ribbon that floated over the bench from her girdle mrs beck was in the seventh heaven and begged her to come again and ruth equally charmed promised to go every sunday for it appeared that the wayward pianist was very irregular and had to be constantly coaxed ruth entered into the work with zest she took the children's class which formerly had been with the older ones and gathering them about her told them bible stories till their young eyes bulged with wonder and their little hearts almost burst with love of her love god of course they would try to please jesus certainly if mrs ruth as they called her said they should they adored her she fell into the habit of going down during the week and slipping into their homes with a big basket of bright flowers from her home garden which she distributed to young and old even the men when they happened to be home from work wanted the flowers and touched them with eager reverence somehow the little community of people so different from herself filled her thoughts more and more she began to be troubled that some of the men drank and beat their wives and little children in consequence she set herself to devise ways to keep them from it she scraped acquaintance with one or two of the older boys in her own church and enlisted them to help her and bought a moving-picture machine which she took to the settlement she spent hours attending moving-picture shows that she might find the right films for their use fortunately she had money enough for all her schemes and no one to hinder her good work 
although aunt rhoda did object strenuously at first on the ground that she might catch something but ruth only smiled and said that's just what i'm out for auntie dear i want to catch them all and try to make them live better lives other people are going to france i haven't got a chance to go yet but while i stay here i must do something i can't be an idler aunt rhoda looked at her quizzically she wondered if ruth was worried about one of her men friends and which one if you'd only take up some nice work for the government dear such as the other girls are doing she sighed work that would bring you into contact with nice people you always have to do something queer i'm sure i don't know where you got your low tendencies but ruth would be off before more could be said this was an old topic of aunt rhoda's and had been most fully discussed during the young years of ruth's life so that she did not care to enter into it further but ruth was not fully satisfied with just helping her italians the very week she came back from camp she had gone to their old family physician who held a high and responsible position in the medical world and made her plea daddy doctor she said using her old childish name for him you've got to find a way for me to go over there and help the war i know i don't know much about nursing but i'm sure i could learn i've taken care of grandpa and auntie a great many times and watched the trained nurses and i'm sure if Layla farrington and bernice brooks could get into the red cross and go over in such a short time i'm as bright as they brighter said the old doctor eyeing her approvingly but what will your people say they'll have to let me daddy doctor besides everybody else is doing it and you know that has great weight with aunt rhoda it's a hard life child you never saw much of pain and suffering and horror well it's time then but those men over there you would have to care for will not be like your grandfather and aunt they will be dirty and bloody and covered with filth and vermin well what of that could you stand it so you think i'm a butterfly do you daddy doctor well i want to prove to you that i'm not i've been doing my best to get used to dirt and distress i washed a sick little italian baby yesterday and helped its mother scrub her floor and make the house clean the dickens you did beamed the doctor proudly i always knew you had a lot of grit i guess you've got the right stuff in you but say if i help you you've got to tell me the real reason why you want to go or else nothing doing understand i know you aren't like the rest just wanting to get into the excitement and meet a lot of officers and have a good time so you can say afterward you were there you aren't that kind of a girl what's the real reason you want to go have you got somebody over there you're interested in he looked at her keenly with loving anxious eyes as her father's friend who had known her from birth might look ruth's face grew rosy and her eyes dropped but lifted again undaunted and if i have daddy doctor is there anything wrong about that the doctor frowned it isn't that fat chump of a wainwright is it because if it is i shan't lift my finger to help you go but ruth's laugh rang out clear and free never dear friend never set your mind at rest about him she finished sobering down and if i care for someone daddy doctor can't you trust me i'd pick out someone who was all right i suppose so grumbled the doctor only half satisfied but girls are so dreadfully blind i think you'd like him she hazarded her cheeks growing pinker that is you would if there is anybody she corrected herself laughing 
but you see it's a secret yet and maybe always will be i'm not sure that he knows and i'm not quite sure i know myself oh i see said the doctor watching her sweet face with a tender jealousy in his eyes well i suppose i'll help you to go but i'll shoot him remember if he doesn't turn out to be all right it would take a mighty superior person to be good enough for you little girl that's just what he is said ruth sweetly and then rising and stooping over him she dropped a kiss on the wavy silver lock of hair that hung over the doctor's forehead thank you daddy doctor i knew you would she said happily and please don't be too long about it i'm in a great hurry the doctor promised of course no one could resist ruth when she was like that and in due time certain forces were set in operation to the end that she might have her desire meanwhile as she waited ruth filled her days with thoughts of others not forgetting cameron's mother for whom she was always preparing some little surprise a dainty gift some fruit or flowers a book that she thought might comfort and while away her loneliness a restful ride at the early evening all the little things that a thoughtful daughter might do for a mother and cameron's mother wrote him long letters about it all of which would have delighted his heart during those dreary days if they could only have reached him then ruth's letters to cameron were full of the things she was doing full of her sweet wise thoughts that seemed to be growing wiser every day she had taken pictures of her italian friends and introduced him to them one by one she had filled every page with little word pictures of her daily life it seemed a pity that he could not have them just when he needed them most it would have filled her with dismay if she could have known the long wandering journey that was before those letters before they would finally reach him she might have been discouraged from writing them little mrs beck was suddenly sent for one sunday morning to attend her sister who was very ill and she hastily called ruth over the telephone and begged her to take her place at the sunday school ruth promised to secure someone to teach the lesson but found to her dismay that no one was willing to go at such short notice and so with trembling heart she knelt for a hasty petition that god would guide her and show her how to lead these simple people in the worship of the day as she stood before them trying to make plain in the broken mixed italian and english the story of the blind man which was the lesson for the day there came over her a sense of her great responsibility she knew that these people trusted her and that what she told them they would believe and her heart lifted itself in a sharp cry for help for light to give to them she felt an appalling lack of knowledge and experience herself where had she been all these young years of her life and what had she been doing that she had not learned the way of life so that she might put it before them before her sat a woman bowed with years her face seamed with sorrow and hard work and grimed with lack of care a woman whose husband frequently beat her for attending sunday school there were four men on the back seat hard workers listening with eager eyes assenting vigorously when she spoke of the sorrow on the earth they too had seen the trouble they sat there patient sad-eyed wistful what could she show them out of the book of god to bring a light of joy to their faces there were the little children whose future looked so full of hard knocks and toil that it seemed a wonder they were willing to grow up knowing what was before them the money that had smoothed her way thus far through life was not for them the comfortable home and food and raiment and light and luxury that had made her life so full of ease were almost unknown to them 
had she anything better to offer them than mere earthly comforts which probably would never be theirs no matter how hard they might strive but after all money and ease could in no way soothe the pain of the heart and she had come close enough already to these people to know that they had each one his own heart's pain and sorrow to bear there was one man who had lost five children by death that death had come in consequence of dirt and ignorance made it no easier to bear the dirt and ignorance had not all been his fault people who were wiser and had not cared to help were to blame what was the remedy for the world's sorrow the world's need ruth knew in a general way that jesus christ was the saviour of the world that his name should be the remedy for evil but how to put it to them in simple form ah that was it it was cameron's search for god and it seemed that all the world was on the same search but now to-day she had suddenly come on some of the footprints of the man of sorrow as he toiled over the mountains of earth searching for lost humanity and her own heart echoed his love and sorrow for the world she cried out in her helplessness for something to give to these wistful people somehow the prayer must have been answered for the little congregation hung upon her words and one old man with deep creases in his forehead and kindly wrinkles around his eyes spoke out in meeting and said i like god i like him good i like him all e time wi me all e time everywhere him live in my house the tears sprang into her eyes with answering sympathy here in her little mission she had found a brother soul seeking after god she had another swift vision then of what the kinship of the whole world meant and how christ could love everybody after sunday school was out little sandra came stealing up to her mind brother die she said sorrowfully what tony the pretty fat baby oh i'm so sorry said ruth putting her arm tenderly around the little girl where is your mother i must go and see her down the winding unkempt road they walked the delicately reared girl and the little italian drudge to the hovel where the family were housed a tumbled-down affair of ancient stone tawdrily washed over in some season past with scaling pink whitewash the noisy abode of the family pig was in front of the house in the midst of a trim little garden of cabbage lettuce garlic and tomatoes but the dirty swarming little house usually so full of noise and good cheer was tidy to-day and no guests hovered on the brief front stoop sipping from a friendly bottle or playing the accordion there was not an accordion heard in the community for there had been a funeral that morning and every one was trying to be quiet out of respect for the bereaved parents and there in the open doorway in his shirt-sleeves crouched low upon the step sat the head of the house his swarthy face bowed upon his knees a picture of utter despair and just beyond the mother's head was bowed upon her folded arms on the window-seat and thus they mourned in public silence before their little world ruth's heart went out to the two poor ignorant creatures in their grief as she remembered the little dark child with the brown curls and glorious eyes who had resembled one of raphael's cherubs and thought how empty the mother's arms would be without him oh santa tell your mother how sorry i am she said to the little girl for the mother could not speak or understand english tell her not to mourn so terribly dear tell her that the dear baby is safe and happy with jesus tell her she will go to him some day 
and as the little girl interpreted her words suddenly ruth knew that what she was speaking was truth truth she might have heard before but never recognized or realized till now the mother lifted her sorrowful face all tear-swollen and tried a pitiful smile nodded to say she understood then dropped sobbing again upon the window-sill the father lifted a sad face not too sober but blear-eyed and pitiful too in his hopelessness as if he accepted the fact she had told but it gave him no comfort and then went back to his own despair ruth turned away with aching heart praying oh god they need you come and comfort them i don't know how but somehow on her homeward way she seemed to have met and been greeted by her saviour it was so she received her baptism for the work that she was to do the next day permission came for her to go to france and she entered upon her brief training don't you dread to have her go asked a neighbour of aunt rhoda oh yes sighed the good lady comfortably but then she is going in good company and it isn't as if all the best people weren't doing it of course it will be a great experience for her and i wouldn't want to keep her out of it she'll meet a great many nice people over there that she might not have met if she had stayed at home everybody they tell me is at work over there she'll be likely to meet the nobility it isn't as if we didn't have friends there too who will be sure to invite her over weekends if she gets tired she can go to them you know and really i was glad to have something come up to take her away from that miserable little country slum she has been so crazy about i was dreadfully afraid she would catch something there or else they would rob us and murder us and kidnap her some day and that was the way things presented themselves to aunt rhoda End of chapter eighteen